ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. When it comes to literary hoaxes, history is littered with them. And at the centre of a new movie, American fiction, an Oscar contender for Best Picture, which skipped the cinemas in Australia, that's why you haven't seen it at the movies, and it will be released straight to streaming today. It stars Geoffrey Wright as an author railing against a publishing industry for its perception of black writers and black stories. Have a listen. Wait a minute, why, why are these books here? I'm not sure. I would imagine that this author, Ellison, is black. That's me, Ellison. Yeah. He is me, and he and I are black. Oh, bingo. No, no bingo, Ned. These books have nothing to do with African-American studies. They're just literature. The, the blackest thing about this one is the ink. That's a bit of a, a sample there. Wenli Ma is culture editor for The Nightly and a regular on breakfast, giving us some guidance as to what we should be watching on streaming and elsewhere. Wenli, good morning. Good morning. What do you think about this one? It's been nominated for five Oscars. So is American fiction, is it pretty good? Yeah, this was actually one of my favourite movies that I saw last year and I've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Australian public to finally get a chance to see it. Uh, it is nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Actor, and it is probably one of the smartest, funniest uh, and also emotionally grounded films that I've seen in a really long time because it just does everything really well. It is about a writer. He's um, he's an African-American author. He writes literature books, which means they don't sell very well and he's the kind of author who would throw as an insult airport book at his more commercially successful <laughs> colleagues. Uh, you know, he's like, yeah, good luck selling your books at the airport when people pick them up with, you know, a neck pillow. <laughs> it's just like, well, he's making money <laughs> and you're not. Um and so he notices this trend where he sees these books that are being lauded by the publishing industry and by readers um, that he thinks are sort of reductive and flattening the African-American experience. So books that traffic in uh, stereotypes like, you know, uh, drug-addled mums, deadbeat dads, uh, protagonists who are killed by cops as a big tragedy. You know, his argument is that White people are, you know, they're upholding them as raw and urgent instead of actually facing the the, the wide experiences of African Americans. Uh, and it's an interesting character to sort of make that point because he's very upper middle class. You know, he reads The Atlantic and he wears <laughs> Paul Smith socks. He's that guy. Uh, he's that guy. <laughs> but it just gets into this really funny and thorny area around, you know, what is authorial authenticity because then he goes out and writes a book that he thinks is just the most ludicrous and crappiest example of that. And what a surprise. It's a massive hit and it starts <laughs> a bidding war and everybody wants a part of it. And he actually says at one point, the the dumber I act, the richer I get. <laughs> Why, um, we're saying in the introduction that it's skipped the cinemas here in Australia and it's going to streaming. Why has that happened? I'm actually not really sure. So not every movie does get released here and it baffles me that this one did miss. Um, it's It was an Amazon original, so it was always up to the streamer as to whether or not they wanted to collaborate with a, a cinema cinema distributor here and it just didn't happen. It was It's the only one of the 10 uh, top 
top, you know, Best Picture nominees that didn't get any kind of release. I think it played a couple little specials um, in the capital cities, but yeah, no, no wide release. And it's really disappointing because it is a comedy. It is funny. It is something that you want to watch with people around you because everything is funnier in a collective. But also there are some really interesting ideas in it and quite a uh, I guess an ambiguous ending in some way. So it's a movie that you want to talk about straight away as soon as you see it, which is not by yourself. So if you are going to see this at home, and please do, you know, gather as many people as possible because it is really, really interesting, but also it does weave and balance this very personal story about uh, his family and his kind of relationships with his mother, with his siblings, um, and a new, you know, a new love interest as well and how the the director kind of weaves these two stories together and make them relate to each other is really, really confident and uh, very well done. Now, I don't have a, an adequate segue to get to the next movie. <laughs> I can't think of a way to get there. But also out this week is uh, Shogun. It's a historical miniseries set in 16th century feudal Japan. Tell us about this one, Wenli. Yeah, this is a really big, sweeping historical epic. Uh, it's based on a 1975 novel by James Clavell, and it was previously made into a very popular miniseries in 1980, in the US anyway. And uh, in the 1980 series sort of centres this white character in this story that's set in Japan. Uh, there are actually... So it sort of redresses this in, the, in the, the current 2024 version. There are three main characters, two of them are Japanese, and one of them is white, and it is... You know, there's a few different stories going on, but essentially it is this power vacuum that opens up when um, the top shogunate, I, I've messed up the term, uh, who dies and then leaves, you know, this la- the land sort of ungoverned, as it were. There's a council of regents who are all vying for power and into this sort of combustible mix comes this beached ship, this English ship with this white guy uh, who then... St- gets into the the world of, you know, feudal Japan uh, and and has to sort of understand and navigate the culture. But at the same time, at least in this series, the um, the Japanese characters are actually getting their own v- stories to be told. And uh, like in the 1980 version, not only were they sidelined, but when they spoke Japanese, it wasn't even subtitled. So audiences really didn't manage to get that perspective. Uh, so one of the main cast members is Hiroyuki Sanada. He's a very famous Japanese actor. He came up through Japanese and Hong Kong action films. Very noticeable. I mean, very me- memorable as well. And I think white audiences, Western audiences would recognize him from like John Wick 4, Avengers Endgame. He was in Westworld. And the production values on this is really excellent. So it's great to see that, you know, you can remake these shows that we've had before and actually tell them in a more authentic way that does justice to a culture and, and different characters. Um, Wendley, just very briefly, what else should we be looking out for this week? What's on your list? Yeah, uh, there's a rap documentary called As We Speak. It's about how the US justice system has sort of used rap lyrics against criminal defendants. There is a Disney uh, show called Iwaju. It is set in Nigeria, so that's really nice to get a story out of the African continent. The completely made-up adventures of Dick Turpin, so we're getting to see another version of uh, the highway robbery robber, and uh, now you've got Noel Fielding playing that, which I think is kind of really perfect. There's an Adam Sandler movie called Spaceman, and uh, finally the seventh season of Somebody Feed Phil, which is just a really charming foodie show. 
Wenley Ma, thank you so much. Thank you. That's Wenley Ma, the culture editor for The Nightly. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.